This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Thanks for listening to Primetime with Isaac and Souk On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan. Service Patriots is your home for comfort solutions for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com slash the fan. This week, it's brother versus brother. I don't care if you like each other right now, but you will respect each other. A clash that divides the state of Oregon. You gotta pay that, Cully! This is a Rivalry Week edition of Primetime with Isaac and Sue. Brought to you by P.G. Long, your Northwest flooring experts. Online at PGLongLLC.com. Primetime on Rivalry Week, 1080. I'm not gonna argue with that. The Fan. We normally do this on Thursday at this time, but uh, this man was kind enough to uh, bump it up on a Wednesday because uh, something else is going on tomorrow. A little turkey day, so he is the head coach of the number six-ranked team in the country, the Oregon Ducks. Head coach Dan Lanning joins us for his weekly visit. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're, we're down Rob. Rob uh, Rob's got a case of the muds right before Thanksgiving. You're going like, solo? I'm going Ooh. solo. I walked in today. He looked right at me in the eyes and said, I can't do this. He's like, I, I, can't, stay off the, I can't stay off the porcelain. And he just he, he ran out of the building. He's he's gone. Don't you guys have Bluetooth or something though? Like, can't you do it from the porcelain? Like, I'm calling in on my phone right now. I feel like he could be on the phone. I think when like, I think when you've got in. stomach issues, I think that trumps everything. Have <laughs> you ever have you ever had a have you ever had a coach when you just really are sick? I mean, yeah. Well, one, I always tell our players I don't get sick. Like, I feel like it's a choice, and I don't get sick during football season because guess what? You don't have a choice. I mean. I know I've had the vaccine and everything. I bet I've had COVID, like, who knows how many times. But, look, <laughs> it takes what it takes, right? And that's the challenge I would present to him, you know, when he gets back. You know, I feel, I'm feel i feeling for him right now, but no excuses, no. right? Like, let's go. I, I love the fact. Can I, I'm going to quote you on that. Getting sick is a – next time my kids or someone pulls, I'm going to be like, okay, being sick is a choice. I, lo- I my love. My wife hates it when I say it. My, she hates when I say it because she just rolls her eyes. I don't feel good. I'm like, look, it's a choice. Now, I think it's more of a mindset because I certainly don't always feel 100. percent But look, you, you don't have a lot of time to waste when it comes to that. Do you guys have to play like good cop, bad cop when it comes to the kids? Because you seem like a real no nonsense sort of guy with the choice. And then does the wife have to go the other way with like over the top love and caring? Is there like the the push pull there? <laughs> Are you insinuating that I don't like love my kids? No, I, mean, I know you love your kids, but I think that's a tough yeah. love. I think that's a tough love. I'm definitely bad cop. Yeah, I'm definitely bad cop. But uh, yeah, and she's definitely good cop. So yeah, I guess so. I guess that's the way the team works. Well, that's good. It's uh, it's right. Uh, if you 
you know, one's defense, one's offense. That's that's how good balanced teams win championships. Am I right? That's you know that's what you hope for sure. <laughs> so looking ahead at this, uh, finally here, it, it's been a hell of a year, and now everything you want is in front of you. I mean, I know you guys go one game at a time, but you take care of this one and you punch your ticket to Vegas. Yeah, got to take care of this one, right? Yeah, that's the key. And uh, it's a good team. It's a great opponent. You know, Jonathan's teams, uh, they, they always, I always feel like they're playing their best football at the end of the year, which is what you always want as a coach. And uh, this will be a real, real challenge, but um, we're excited. We're excited to get out there on the field and play against them. I, I know you said that, you know, losses stick with you more than wins. And, you know, last year, the way it went down in this game, I'm guessing that one, you know, for this team and, and for you, I'm guessing that still is rolling around in the back of the mind. Yeah, it certainly resonates with me. Um, you know, you spend a lot of time thinking about all the things that you could have done better, you know, to create a different result. And uh, I know our players feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, do the I know not a lot of the kids are, are from Oregon. I think I asked you this with Washington, but you know, does I'm guessing it doesn't take very long for guys to be in that program to figure out what this game means. Yeah, the, every one of our guys know what's at stake for this game, and then what you know what also exists within this rivalry. So, um, yeah, I think they're well aware. Yeah, I mean, you've you've been around the block and have, have been a part of some some big rivalry games. I mean, obviously the Iron Bowl, and you know, I mean, you you've been part of some. What about what about that? When, when it comes to rivalries, what makes that different? Because you always hear that, like toss out the records. It's a rivalry game. What about that? Um, plays such a role in when what happens out on the field you know ultimately i think uh emotion creeps in there's a lot of games where you want to go out there and perform and play your best um but there's not always the same emotional investment and they, these are games that you know have a huge emotional investment where you're where not only do you want to go perform your best um but it's about who you're performing against and it just means a little bit more and, and i think that's the reality of games like this can you get two up for a game like this you certainly can, and uh, it's something that we got to be conscientious of as, as coaches and, and players. But, um, you know, the emotion is not what's going to win the game. It's the execution, and I think that's what I always try to remind our players. Like, look, it's good to have energy and passion, but that's not something we necessarily have to go search for. Um, what's important to search for is my focus, like realizing the down and distance, the situation, you know, what's the formation, what's the coverage, whatever that might be. Um, that that's where you have to place the importance and the emotion, you know, it's a side factor. It's a piece of it and it can be fuel for the fire, but it can't become, become more important than the execution. Now your second year as a head coach, I mean, I hear you talk about setting the tone for the team and that being your job to make sure that, you know, whether you pull on the leash, you let it go a little bit, how much more comfortable year two were you with, with that process? Or were you always comfortable with, with being the guy in charge of that as opposed to being a coordinator? Well, I never had a problem being uh, in charge, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the growth and the learning experience for me. You know, just learning what, what, what's different year two as opposed to year one, uh, how comfortable I feel with our players and where they're at right now. Like, I'm so fortunate, and you talk about Thanksgiving. Like, I'm so fortunate to get to coach the group of guys that I get to coach. You know, we, they have a player-led meeting on Thursdays that I'm not a part of. I don't get to be in there, but I know – what's going on in that meeting just because I have complete confidence in the guys in that room and uh, of what it sounds like. And that's something we didn't have last year, but I'm, I'm really blessed to be where I'm at. And uh, I've certainly learned a lot from year one to year two, but maybe just as excited about what I get to learn next. I'm sure having a guy like Bo 
makes all the difference in the world. I mean, the quarterback tends to be the leader. Is he is he that for the team, or are there a couple other guys that you can point out that kind of also help fill that gap um, when you're not in that room and, and you can't be everywhere, you know, all the time? We've got a lot of great leaders, but Bo's certainly one of them. Uh, I don't think it's any secret that he's a special one. Um, but we've got several guys on this team that um, I'm really impressed with. Is there is there naturally an offense and a defensive guy? You know that they, they, who who would you consider to be the kind of the, the Bo Nix of your defense, the captain of the defense? Uh, you know, Jeff Bossa has done a phenomenal job this year. I think everyone on our defense would tell you that that guy's a great communicator. He helps us get lined up um, and communicates, does a really good job for us. But we got, you know, several guys over there on that side of the ball that have been absolutely outstanding. You know, Steve Stevens, Evan Williams, you know, Brandon Dorless. You know, there's just there's several guys um, over there that do an impressive job of communicating with the people around them and uh, making sure that we're executing at a high level. You know, they always say that the games you remember are played in November and, and you guys have the one blemish uh, on, on your, on your season against Washington. And after that, you guys have just been gangbusters. I mean, you are just, you know, it feels like you guys are playing at a different level. Did something change after that? I mean, was is just a, a product of, of the growth and development? Because it does – I mean, you guys were playing great before, but it, it does feel like since that Washington game, there has been – I don't there's just been something different. You guys are just foot to the gas. We're hungry. We're hungry to get better every day, and I think that's what makes, you know, what we're doing right now special. But um, the great thing about, you know, college football is you got to bring it the next day. And it's not about who can do it once or who can do it sometimes. It's who, who can do it every time. And uh, that's that's certainly what we're striving for. So when you look at the Beavs, what, uh, what's the biggest challenge that Oregon State uh, poses to you? Well, there's a lot, of, a, a lot of different ones. You know, one, they're just a sound team from top to bottom. They, they play good football in, in each phase. Um, they're aggressive uh, defensively and offensively. They can um, – they can pound the rock, man, and they do it a different way. They do it with two back sets and um, stuff that you don't fit all year, and then they'll come out and they'll you know, play action shots you, and they have some wideouts that are really dangerous, and the special teams, they have an elite return game. So um, the consistency that they that they play the game with, the toughness and physicality that they play with, you know, it's something that, that really shows up there and makes it a real challenge. Yeah, like you look at that that – 10-minute drive they went on against Washington and went down and scored, assuming that the best way to stop your offense is just to keep them on the sidelines. Yeah, we do a staff meeting on um, today. I guess it's, I always say Thursday because usually it's Thursday, but it's Wednesday. Yeah. And we, we kind of play the game before the game, and we went back and rewatched you know the Arizona game as a staff. Um, and you get done with the first quarter, and you realize, oh, wow, they only had the ball you know, once. And that's a, that's just product of them being able to hold on the ball for a long period of time. And um, that's one of their best defenses is how they keep the ball away from your offense. So what are, uh, what are the plans for the team on Thanksgiving? Are you guys doing like a kind of a team dinner? Are you letting guys kind of have some, some free time? What's the uh, the schedule for the, for the players? Well, we actually had a team Thanksgiving dinner today right after practice. Um, but tomorrow we're going to work some more. So uh, these guys get it. They know what it takes. Um, and we've got, you know, we've got a uh, walkthrough, we've got some film, some some practice, and we'll have a nice dinner tomorrow night, but uh, it'll be a little bit different approach than um, than Thanksgiving. we got some business ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is, this is a big one. And uh, at some point, Coach, I think we're going to need you. Like, the, 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 the landing pregame speeches 
have kind of become a thing. Like you guys put out a, a really cool video every week, like a recap. And, and, uh, I know a lot of people have really enjoyed hearing, uh, kind of your message to, to the team. I feel like we may have to have one of those for you with, with, with Isaac, with, with Rob, cause quite, quite frankly, <laughs> you need he, one? well, he misses, he, his immune, like it is a running joke. His immune system is kind of sad. Like it's, it's like a 70 year old, like cancer patient. Like he's, he's down and out a lot. And quite frankly, mm. I, like he respects you. He doesn't respect any of us. I feel like maybe right. we might need next time we're on the air together. You may have to give him some light encouragement. Yeah. It seems like, you know, he's dealing with the illusion of choice right now. It feels like he has a choice, like to be sick or not be sick. And there is no choice. The choice is don't be sick. Uh, I'll make sure I get with him. Yeah. yeah, I'll make sure I touch base with him. Yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things. We 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 would appreciate it, you know, if you could if you no could doubt. you could help that long. We've been together for like eighteen years, and I've yet to be able to get through with him. So I, I feel like maybe you might be able to crack that exterior. Yeah, it's time. It's, <laughs> it's time. Let me see what I can do. All right, well, Coach, uh, we always appreciate you taking time for us. We appreciate you bumping it up a day, and uh, it definitely sounds like you guys are focused in on this. Um, you know, like I said, you take care of this one and. You get the uh, the rematch with Washington, which I'm sure you guys are chomping at the bit. So we wish you uh, all the best in uh, the Civil War coming up and maybe the last one of these for a while. Yeah, hopefully not, but uh, I appreciate it, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Wish the best to you guys as well. All right, thank you, Coach. Good luck on uh, Friday. All right, bye. There is uh, Coach Dan Lanning of your Oregon Ducks, and quite frankly, that's fantastic. I... I needed the it's a choice so, so badly right now. And I think if anyone needs to hear that being sick is a choice, it is Isaac Rob. And that was also the most Dan Lanning thing I've ever heard. When I asked him, have you ever had to coach a game real sick? I don't ever get sick. Why well, I tell my wife all the time. Yeah, sick is a choice, which by the way, I'm guessing like when he said that his wife doesn't like that, I'm sure that does not go over well. <laughs> at the house. I wonder if that starts a fight. No, and I just had to tell Coach Lanning too off the air. It's like, I'm playing sick today too, so I appreciate you kind of calling Rop out a bit. Thank you. Thank you. I, I loved it. Being sick is a choice. Being here is a choice. I'm on some DayQuil, baby. Let's go. I was fighting something off earlier this week, yeah. uh, but nothing. it didn't It didn't come on. Like, I, I thought on uh, like, like Sunday night, Monday, I was like, oh, hell. I had a buddy of mine that was sick the week before, and we ended up, we had lunch, yeah. and then he got ill, and I was like, oh, boy. And then you feel a little tickle in the throat. You feel a little tired. I took a bunch of naps on Sunday, and I was like, oh, man. Like, not during the holidays. Just keep me upright. But you know what? I made a choice. I made a choice. I said I'm not being sick. Uh, it's not happening. I made a choice to go to a Halloween or a Halloween, a holiday party uh, last Saturday evening, and uh, lots of kids there. So I, I can only assume that I made the wrong choice to show up with a bunch of kids dribbling snot out of well, their Well, that's noses. your fault for being around a bunch of snot monsters. It, there you go. That's, you, you I get made around, the wrong choice. You get around kids, man. They just, they're little Petri dishes of bacteria. My seventh concentric circle of hell is having to hang out in, like, the uh, the mall play area. You know, you go to any, like, mall and they just have like that weird section in the middle of it, and it's everything's like hard plastic and slides, and then like that spongy floor. So stay kids, out of the ball pit. You don't want to be in there. No, I'm pretty sure that's where Ebola breeds. Like people talk about COVID, like being the wet lab. No, the the COVID started in the the ball pit. It started <laughs> in the weird mall. Not playground. the marketplace. Not the labs. No, no the ball pit. That thing is disgusting. 
All right, we come back. Uh, we'll get back into the Jonathan Smith thing um, as some some more reports are coming out on that. And could that be a factor in this civil war? Because, you know, Rob has a theory when he's not choosing to be sick. Rob actually has a theory, and I think it's a pretty good one, and does it play a role in this civil war? All right, that when we come back. You got primetime here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Rivalry Week on Primetime with Isaac and Sue. Brought to you by P.G. Long. On 1080 The Fan. Welcome back in. We just talked to uh, Coach Dan Lanning there, who uh, seems very, very focused in. I mean, if you're Oregon, the whole one game at a time thing obviously um, has been their mantra. But you get here now, and, and obviously no one's overlooking Oregon State. But I think if you're, a, if you're a football player, if you're a coach, whoever, an Oregon Duck fan, you realize that, yes, you take care of business here. You take care of this, and you beat your rival at home. And on the other side of that is Washington. I mean, this is, this is everything you could want. It's, it's win and in. There's no other scenario. Um, you lose. Well, I guess that's not true. Technically, if Oregon loses and Arizona loses, they still go to the the Pac-12 title game. I mean, those are the only scenarios at this point. Washington's already in. Oregon wins and they're in. Oregon loses. Arizona wins against Arizona State in the Territorial Cup. They're in. Arizona loses, then then Oregon's in no matter what. But most people, like, Arizona State's not going to beat Arizona. Arizona right now is playing sneaky good football. Arizona is uh, is legit. And by the way, Arizona's got a lot of the same stuff that Oregon State has going on with their coach right now. Two of the hotter names that are that are getting kicked around. But if you're if you're Oregon, that has to just line up so perfectly for you because as I mentioned to to, to coach there, it does feel like after that Washington game, 
Oregon did go into a different gear. And not that Oregon wasn't playing good ball before, but this kind of reminds me a little bit of like, remember when Tebow had that game, you know, it was the infamous crying game yeah. at Florida. He was like, hey, we're not going to lose again. And we didn't have to listen to Bo Nix cry and give some sort of weird and passing speech. But you can't argue with the fact that since that Washington loss, dude, Oregon has just looked different. And Washington hasn't looked the same. I mean, they just they, like up until that point, Washington looked like a national title team. And since then, Washington looks like a really good team. And Oregon looks like the national championship team. So you take care of this and you get the rematch with Washington and it basically turns into a, a win in your end game. You know, that that is what the, the Pac-12 is, the title game is setting up as long as, you know, Washington and Oregon take care of business is the winner of that game goes to the college football playoff and the loser probably goes home and ends up going to a New Year six game. But but that's about it. Now, Oregon State, on the other hand, you're just trying to play spoiler at this point and you're trying to play for the best bowl game you have or the best bowl game you can get. But Rop always talks about this, and I do think there is something to this. Rop always talks about the distracted coach. You get to November. And when coaches start looking for other jobs, I have a buddy of mine who's a diehard Packers fan, and he always talks about this. When the Packers lost uh, their second of the back-to-back Super Bowls uh, back with Brett Favre, remember they they, they won the Super Bowl against New England, and the next year they went and they lost to the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. And that Green Bay team was better than the Denver Broncos. And if you remember what happened right after that Super Bowl, what happened to their coach? Bye. Gone. And we know for a fact that at the time he was negotiating at the time the largest contract in NFL coaching history for old Mike to go from Green Bay out here to the West Coast. And he talks about that. I've known that for 15 years he's talked about that. It's the lore in Wisconsin that he had his eye off the ball. Mario Cristobal. When he was getting ready to take that Miami job, what happened at the end of the year to the Oregon Ducks? They absolutely imploded. And you can go around the country and find this, where it is a real thing that when coaches get to this time of the year and they start looking around, it happens quite a bit, where teams can fall apart. I'm not saying that it's it's universal and it's going to happen here at Oregon State, but you can't keep noise like that out of the locker room. You just can't. So when Smith's name is getting brought up, and it is getting brought up a lot. Oh, yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but when he gives a, a comment to a reporter basically saying, hey, uh, my my agent is out there talking to people and that's what I pay him to do. And other than that, you know, I, I don't have anything to do with it. If you don't think players hear that stuff, you're fooling yourself. Now, Oregon State came out and, and, and they released a statement. Their uh, athletic director came out and said that uh, this is from uh, Scott Barnes. Coach Smith and I have an ongoing conversation for more than a month regarding his future at Oregon State and our path forward as a football, uh, for football specifically, and our athletic department generally. He has embraced our short and long-term plans. My number one priority is providing him with a new contract, guaranteed compensation that will help continue the success of our football program that has benefited Oregon State University uh, and Beaver Athletics. And then he goes on to say the two about getting more money for the assistant coaches. And that's all well and good. Obviously, Scott Barnes, that is your top priority, is making sure that Jonathan Smith stays put. But with the definition of an uncertain future, with the definition of an uncertain budget, now I do think that Oregon State moving forward, they're going to get some money from the Pac-12 thing. How much of that? We don't know. But they're going to get a cushion. And for a couple years, they can fund this. This athletic, de- pro- athletic department for the next couple years should have cushion to not have to make any sort of drastic cuts. But the reality is, after those two years are up, if you don't land a spot in the Big 12, 
which appears to be the only real landing spot that you could grab, or maybe the ACC in some sort of new conference. But if you end up in a refurbished Pac-12 slash Mountain West, your TV deal is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight, maybe ten million bucks, and you can't afford to pay your coach six, seven, eight million bucks. Meanwhile, you got Michigan State that just got done. Well, I mean, they got out of it, but but they were paying their coach ten years and ten million bucks yeah, a year. Yeah, Tucker. Yeah. So. And that's the reality of it. And the other one that you have to realize, too, is if you're Jonathan Smith and you're looking at this, does Jonathan, does Jonathan Smith think that there is a path forward for Oregon State at, at, at a high level? Or, you know, you can say all you want that he's comfortable with our short-term and long-term plan. Yeah. And, and that may be the case. Maybe Smith does say, hey, I, I can do that. But he has to understand, just like everyone else does, that the reality of Oregon State Athletics is about to change forever. Well, and Jonathan Smith, I believe in his statement yesterday uh, to local media, talked about the fact that an extension isn't necessarily something that's going to keep him here. He already had, actually, I believe, worked into the language of his contract certain escalators well, that they, guaranteed him. And I'm him. sure they can bump him up. I'm sure they can get Smith to $6 million bucks. Probably, but he's already, I guess my point is, he's, he's, already, well he's already under contract. Contract. He's well compensated, maybe not the top of the Pac-12, but he's already under contract for six years. There's there's kind of a, a tipping point at, at that point where you're like, well, okay, how much money do I want to stay here? At this point, Suk, the Texas Tech job looks better than the future at Oregon State, unfortunately. And I'm not trying to say that to knock the Beavers. I love the Pac-12. I love my Oregon teams. I want both of them to succeed. It's just the, the facts, unfortunately. It's the this, way that it is. This comes down to the end of the day. This simply comes down to, well, one, does someone come in with a $100 million deal? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't care I don't care if Oregon State had a, a spot in the Big 12. If someone comes in and gives you nine years, $10 million a year, guaranteed, a la Mel Tucker, or gives you 10 years, $10 million, It's you, over. You're, you're gone. You're, you're just gone. Just, you're, you're, not, you're not turning that down. But on, on, a, on a different level, let's take some of the money out of it. To me, this, this simply comes down to, does Jonathan Smith, and we don't know. We don't know. Does Jonathan Smith believe that there is a path forward for Oregon State to compete at the highest level? Because I I think there's, you look at, at like Boise State, who kept Chris Peterson around for a long time. And then Chris eventually left to take a, a job where he got to play with all the toys. Mike Riley eventually left to take a job, and he specifically said that. And that was from the Pac-12 to the, 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 the Big Ten, but he said, I want to see what all the resources can get me at Nebraska, right? Because there's a difference between those two athletic programs. But now being where you're at, because I think the Beavs were building something. This is the the real crappy part about it. Yeah. I think Oregon State had a chance to build a, a University of Utah-like program. Wisconsin, maybe a Michigan State. Oregon State under Jonathan Smith, if the Pac-12 could have stayed together, I think you were really building something. Like a blue blood light kind of a, yeah. I think you were just building that, that, that tough-nosed, we're not going to recruit at a top 15, top 20 level, but we're going to grow and develop our program, uh, and we're going to be we're going to be kind of the, the 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 antithesis of what else is out there. We're not going to be flash. We're going to be substance. That's why I brought up like Wisconsin. That's why I brought up you know Iowa, Wisconsin. Those are really successful programs, and they've built themselves like on this kind of culture of toughness and what it meant to be part of that program. And it felt like Jonathan Smith was building that. But now when you get that that rug pulled out from underneath you, 
it's going to be really hard for Oregon State. It's why I've said all along, and me and Rob have kind of gone back and forth about this. I said they have to find a way to end up in a Power 5 conference. Because if you don't, don't let anyone try to spin this as, oh, well, you know, we can we can do this and we can do that. And, and you know, we can piece this together and it's not that bad. It's devastating. Yeah. It's absolutely devastating. Well, from a budget standpoint and, more importantly, from a relevant standpoint, because if your players and your coaches don't think that they can play at the highest level, it's really going to be hard to get everyone to stick around. That's why I brought up Chris Peterson. He stayed at Boise for a long time. One, I think it's a different era of college football now. I think the haves and the have-nots are getting even bigger and bigger. Yeah. You eventually did lose Chris Peterson to a much bigger program at UW um, where he did have all the tools and resources to do it. And remember, Chris Peterson was at Boise when they were small. Jonathan Smith has seen what small looks like, and Jonathan Smith has seen what big is look like. Jonathan Smith didn't leave Boise State for Fresno State. Jonathan Smith didn't leave UW for, you know, uh, you know, for San Diego State. No, he has climbed the ladder. And when he signed up to be the head coach at Oregon State and all those players, they signed up to be a member of the Pac-12. And now that that isn't there anymore, I wouldn't fault him. I wouldn't fault him for saying, I'm I'm sorry as much as this hurts, and I think it's just it would be devastating if he did leave. I, I wouldn't fault him. And I just have to wonder if that is going to play a factor in this civil war when you're up against one of the best teams in the country on the road who are staring at at, at a chance to go avenge their only loss of the year in a hostile environment coming off a deflating loss against Washington if you're Oregon State, and now all this, I just wonder if, if Rop's theory on coaches leaving and, and, and looking other places and having an effect on the team, I wonder if this is going to rear its head on, on Friday down at Austin Stadium. This is just like my, my diehard Pac-12 hope fandom maybe peeking through a little bit, but there, in my mind, lays a possibility for a couple of years down the road four super conferences in college football and Oregon State being happily welcomed in. I don't think this is the end for Oregon State. I think it's just kind of a, a wait and see. And I, I, I frankly, I don't even think it's just a wait and see. I think they will get into a Power 5 conference in the next two to three seasons. But, you know, players, that's a little tougher for them to wait for. I feel like Jonathan Smith, if he sees that down the road... The only thing that would lure him away is like a 10-year, $100 million deal. But but it's going to be tougher to keep the players. I, 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 you can't ask them to give up no, a year. I like the plan. And by the way, you, you, it's two. I mean, they're nothing, You're right, two no, years. It's yeah, going to exactly. be two years. Yeah, yeah. I love, the, I love the, the plan for Oregon State going forward to just say, hey, we've got the money. Yeah. We're going to get the money to just get into a holding pattern here. And at the end of two years, when the ACC collapses and – you know, the, the, the realignment thing rears its ugly head again, and it's going to, 100%. The ACC will fall because Florida State and Clemson, they're, they're getting out of that thing. North Carolina, and so there's going to be another round of this, and I would like to believe when that happens that Oregon State and Washington State and some of the other teams, maybe, you know, the, the Cal-Stanford, again, think about like a pod thing. Yeah. That's the one that makes sense to me is maybe not even the Big 12, some sort of, of ACC merger. You know, in a couple years, yeah, in a West and an East division, or something like that. Yeah. Yes, something, something like that. That to me makes sense, and I think it's a it's a very reasonable plan going forward. But it's asking an awful lot of players and coaches to stick around for two years with your fingers crossed and saying, "I hope." Because if you're Jonathan Smith or if you're anyone else, sometimes you got to strike while the iron's hot. Because if if you're Smith and you 
are a hot name right now. You go through another year or two and you lose a bunch of guys to the portal and it's kind of no man's land and, you know, it, it, it's a struggle the next couple of years. You may not get these opportunities again, which is why I just think this is that this next month for this program is such a big deal. And I hope, I hope they're able to push this aside and this doesn't bleed over because as much promise as this Beaver program had and as much uncertainty, and I'm rooting for Oregon State. I really am. I love the Beavs. I love what they, they've built there. I love the blue-collar approach to it. It would just be such a cataclysmic end to this thing if they get blown out in the last Civil War and then Coach Smith leaves to take another job and then December 4th, the transfer portal opens up and let's say, let's just say a couple of your best players go with Coach Smith wherever he goes and a couple more leave to go other places, and now you're left having to replace all of that and still not knowing where you're playing next year, that's a that's a fate that they don't deserve. They just don't. From where they came from and what Coach Smith built them up to, I don't want that for that program. I really don't. So I'm 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 hoping. Like it would in some ways it would stink to see Oregon lose because then we would lose the rematch, Oregon Washington right to go to the the the, the college football playoff. But at the same time, I just I don't want that to happen to Oregon State. And I'm just starting to get kind of a sinking feeling that maybe this does bleed over. Or maybe this is all nonsense and the players are gonna, you know, circle the wagons and go down to Knotson and, and play a hell of a game and have kind of one last final blank you to the ducks. We'll see what happens. I think it adds a, a little intrigue. How about that? I think this game, which already had a lot on the line, I think became that much more interesting for Oregon State fan. But also, I think Oregon State fan looking through some of the Vancouver Ford text lines, I think they're pretty nervous. I think they're pretty nervous. Yeah, there was a lot of anger at the beginning of this process. Now it's just like, oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. This sucks. Scary. This just sucks. Sucks. Just goes, goes back to it. What happened with the fall of the Pac-12 it just absolutely sucks. But we get one more. We get one more of these guaranteed. Hopefully it continues, but I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we get a hell of a game. All right, we come back in the news. Here, though, Schultz with SportsCenter. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Rivalry Week on Primetime with Isaac and Sue. Brought to you by P.G. Long. On 1080 The Fan. Let's boogie. Let's boogie. On a pre-Thanksgiving show with no one else in the building, it's you and me, Schulte. Let's do, little, do it, baby. Do a little slow dance. I'll dance with you. I can see that. It would look kind of weird, but it would be awesome. Well, I'd have to lead. Yes. I mean, with that haircut of yours, I mean, clearly, I'm leading. What? I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah this uh, uh, because I am a I I have a lesbian haircut. I I guess you lead. Hey, know. you're the one making that statement, not me, Schultze. Right. I just was saying. I you know I. I'm just parroting your words, brother. 
One of us has to. One of us has to be the lead, and I'm I'm taking charge of this. All right, let's get to uh, in the news. We got what November twenty second, the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. It is time for in the news. I am your noted news contributor, sitting in for your noted newsman, who is probably sitting at home right now, not feeling very well. If you don't uh, know, Rob has uh, Rob pulled the shoot. According to Dan Landing, he made a choice to be sick. And Rop was indeed sick. He was in the building at one point, and then about two o'clock, he had to uh, he had to pull the shoot. I mean, you should have specifically. I know you asked Coach Landing if he's coached while he's sick. You should have asked him, "Have you ever had to coach while you had the runs, while you had mud butt?" Because that, that, my friends, is a whole different ball game. You're, you're you can't think while you're up and down from the toilet every ten minutes. That's no, rough. it's tough. Well, that's Joe Paterno. Remember, Joe Paterno, uh, he pooed himself. You're not familiar with this? I've, I've never heard the Joe Pop Poo story. No. Yeah, Joe Paterno, or Joe Paterno uh, the late Joe Paterno, he pooped himself. I don't remember who they were playing. Died in disgrace, by the way. Yes, he did. Yeah, he was, uh, it might have been Ohio State. It was a It was a fairly big game. It was a nationally televised game. It's been a big game. And I was watching it at the time. And Paterno's on the sidelines, and it's like three, four minutes before the half. And during a play, like they were lining up for a punt. Joe Paterno runs across the field. Like they're, you know, so it's he's at the other end of the field. So the, the play's down at the at the other end, but Joe Paterno starts running across the field. Yes. Like he does not make the long the long way around. He doesn't go behind the end zone. No, no he's cutting through like if I remember correctly, I want to say it was like maybe about the 10-yard line. Oh my. And God. and everyone is like what? And he's he's jogging and he just heads up the tunnel and everyone's like what is happening? And then Joe Paterno comes out, obviously, after the half, and they go to the sideline reporter. This is why sideline reporters are great. And uh, I forget who it was, but it was a, it was a gal. And, uh, and she says that, um, you know, everything's fine, That but Joe was dealing with some, I, I believe she said, like, you can find the clip, it's on YouTube. Uh, I think she says, like, he's dealing with just some intestinal uh, oh, issues. And they kind of, like, you know, they kind of smile and laugh it off, like, hey, everything's okay. And then they show Joe Paterno, running back out of the tunnel. Guess what Joe Paterno's wearing? Uh, different pants? Different pants. Yeah, that's right. Joe Paterno's wearing different pants. <sighs> and immediately everyone's like, yeah, I know what just happened. Joe Paterno pooed himself. You don't change your pants, Joe. You don't change your pants if you didn't have a little oopsie. He pulled a Paul Pierce. Now, was it like a? It, this was a full-on oopsie not like a gambled and lost look going all for I, the fart and something else comes out because no. that that is the all that I, is the ultimate like oh know, screw myself you don't change your pants over an oopsie i think you do if you're on a on a on a you nationally may, televised football you game. may yeah, change your underwear sideline. but that's that's that went through everything that was like get joe some i think joe took a shower and changed an entire outfit and you don't do that you don't do that if you just had a little whoops no, no, no. That was a full-blown thing. Wow. Yeah. So, yes, I, I and it has happened. I, it happened to Joe Paterno, and it couldn't have happened to a better guy than Joe Paterno. Plus, he was like a 1,000 years old at the time. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I could have made a diapers joke, but uh, I won't. But yeah. I'll say I could have made a diapers joke. So, uh, uh, yeah, good, good old tech message and uh, poop Joe Pa. All right. It is National uh, Cranberry uh, Relish Day, which... What? Well, it's National Cranberry... I'm, it's all Thanksgiving. It's National Taiwan On Day. The day before Thanksgiving. Of course. Because if you don't know, today is the, it's not New Year's, it's not Christmas, it's not Christmas Eve, it's not the 4th of July. Believe it or not, right here, today, November 22nd, is the largest drinking day of the year. More beverages are consumed the night before Thanksgiving than actual Thanksgiving. Because most people are already, 
No one's at work. No. No one worked. We are the only two. Well, yeah, it's the two of us because Rob's out. We're the only two people in this entire building. Hey, there's possibly not a, this entire part of the city. Yeah, honestly. there's not a single no. person except for the naked homeless guy probably in the uh, parking lot. No machete today, I guess. I hope so. Fingers crossed. He was there yesterday. So maybe when we leave uh, at the end of the evening, we get to say hello to him. No one's so everyone's already where they're at. Yeah, families. Yeah, families have arrived most likely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that's what I'm like tonight. My my gal's putting together all the fixings and marinate and all that stuff, and no one wants me in the kitchen. So guess where I'm gonna be? Mass is gonna be on the couch. I'm gonna be about nine cores deep, and then at some point it's gonna switch over to the uh, the Tullys, and uh, and then maybe at the end of the evening it goes to the Lagavulin. Like my my evening is set. That's and then perfect. I'll get yelled at for having a cigar, and then I'll be forced to go outside in the cold. And that's my evening. But that's what the hot tub's for. Now, you better have the extra aged Lagavulin, right? Lagavulin 16. That a baby. The 16's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, you get into some of that other stuff. Like, I don't I don't know what your paycheck's like, but, you know, we get into, you get into some of that other stuff. That's about the it's about the extent of uh, of where the Sucanic level goes. You know, top, log, top of the line there. Well, Lagavulin 16, you're, you're in the, the $80 to $100 for a bottle. You know, I'm not going with the special edition or whatever. And that's, for me, that's fine. That's a that's a nice end of the evening. That's not a that's not a 6 o'clock sort of thing. That's an end of the evening nightcap. Ah, so if, you, you, if you're getting into some other stuff, that's your paycheck's different than mine. I was going to say, you're not drinking that like water. I get it. Okay. No, okay. no. That's just, you know. It's kind of one of those, like, as you've progressed in the evening and you want just a nice little finish to it. You pull a smoky glass of Ron Swanson, a little Lagavulin 16, and you're uh, you're good to go. Uh, it's also National uh, Jukebox Day, which I don't know why that's the day before Thanksgiving. And does anyone actually own a jukebox anymore? I was going to say that, that was relevant like 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, they're super expensive, though. Jukeboxes? Like, yeah. Like the big old, like the ones like in the 50s diners. Dude, those things are like 10 Gs. I, I, yeah, I bet I bet they are spendy, but I'm just trying to think of the last place I actually walked in and saw a real jukebox. It's been a while. Again, diners. Or, you know, if you've got some with a bunch of money. And, no, uh, even the diners now, they have like those little, you know, computers on the wall. But it's like a jukebox, but yeah. it's essentially just a little Casio computer or whatever. Same sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Portland uh, Public Schools teacher strike is going on, and we are not certain if they are going to negotiate over the Thanksgiving break, but they are having a marathon session right now. I think they're trying to get something done before the holiday break. Um but as of right now, uh, no deals have been made. I guess class size is one of the sticking points. And so the latest proposal is there's still some sticking points. They've talked about having to cancel winter break in order to make up those days. Yeah, so that, that'll, so uh, it, that'll go over well. If, if, if they do strike a deal over this weekend, realize that the kids are going to come back from Thanksgiving break. And it's like, hey, congratulations, you're back. And there's no winter break. they got to make up those days. So would you rather have an extended into summer, or would you rather just not have the winter break? I mean, you've already had a couple weeks off anyways. I say get rid of the winter break and don't put me into summer. Yeah, that's probably the preferable choice, but I guarantee you you're going to have dumb kids that are like, I want my winter break. I want a week um, off. So they're going to have to give them they, three or four days off. But I, I just... They've it, already had several weeks off. Exactly. And in general, I, I mean, I, I am on the side of teachers here. Pay them more. Damn, come on. But but I do hate strikes. I hate like when, when players strike. I hated the Actors Guild strike. I cannot stand when two groups of adults cannot negotiate. It just... 
Ah! Well, here's hoping they get something done, and here's hoping that they keep talking uh, over the Thanksgiving breaks. You don't want to waste the next three or four days just sitting around doing nothing. Get to the table. Get something done. The kids need to be back in school. Are we come back? I've got, uh, do you like Star Wars and nudity? Because if so, I got something for you. Apparently, our drinking water is uh, going to kill us. So a lot to get to when we come back. In the news rolls on here on 1080 The Fan. This is Rivalry Week on Primetime with Isaac and Sue. Brought to you by PG Long. On 1080 The Fan. All right, in the news coming up in just a few moments, Joey Harrington will join us at 5.30 and we'll talk uh, Hall & Oates in the club. All right, I got time for uh, two more stories I'll squeeze in. Let's go with the bad and then we'll end with the good because, uh, Schultz, I love you. Lo- uh, I know you love Naked Star Wars, so we'll end right. with Naked Star Wars. Um, this is one that, that got reported uh, several months ago and no one seemed to care, but the EPA is doing an Environmental Protection Agency, by the way, which some people want to get rid of because, you know, who cares? Apparently, we all should care. They did a report that in the uh, public water system that they're testing, over 75% of them have, quote, forever chemicals in them that are causing us harm. Yeah, almost 80% of all drinking water. So now this is starting to, to, to leak in. They've only tested about 15% of the water sources around the country. But Washington just reported theirs back. And so it's now popping up in the Pacific Northwest. So we don't really have organs yet, although Malala's is in. There's a map that you can go to if you go to the EPA, which will tell you, you can click on your city or your county's water system, and it'll let you know kind of where you're at. And um, in Oregon, there's not many of them, although the city of Malala apparently is doing pretty good. But if you want something that's kind of scary about this, and by the way, they're now identifying what these chemicals are, and they're saying a lot of them are coming from fire retardants and nonstick cooking pans. Oh, shocking. Yeah, that are that are in our, our drinking water. Um, and so when you click on your city, it'll tell you how many contaminants are in your water. So, for example, the city of Vancouver has seven chemicals, and they'll tell you what those chemicals are. And they have all kinds of scary, terrifying names to them, and you can look up what they do to you. But, you know, yeah, like Teflon, which has been used on nonstick pans forever, would be one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So there's seven total contaminants in the city of Vancouver's water system. And then they give you the percentage of over acceptable limits. Right. So so up to it's okay to have this level in it. It's negligible. Yeah. And then they'll tell you what percentage above. Okay. Okay. The the highest level of, of, of the chemical. Would you care to guess where the city of Vancouver is? When it comes to the percentage recorded above the minimum reporting level, uh, let's go thirty percent above. That'd be three hundred and fifty-two percent. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad I live here in Oregon. Now, Clark Sorry, Public Sue. Utilities, uh, they're only seventy-six percent, and there's only five total contaminants. Woo! So, hey! P.U.D., baby! Clark P.U.D. It's a good, wa- good water source there, baby. Some of the ones up in Seattle, by the way, are even worse. Like, they're pretty terrifying. Um, like, the city of, by the way, the city of Woodland over in Washington, they're at 368% uh, oh over. So that's a little spooky. And this is like major water sources, right, Sue? This isn't like a well water for like a group of rural no, houses. No, no. no like, this is like major water sources when, for these cities, right? When you're in Vancouver, you are either on City of Vancouver and the Clark PD. I mean, there's two. Like gotcha. for the entire city of Vancouver. Okay. All right. So like and Camus has one. Now Camus, they're fancy, their water. They only have two contaminants, and they're only 55% above the uh, the level. That's so again, really good. that fancy Camus water. Now, if you live in Malala, by the way, 
you only have one contaminant and you're only 126% above. But that a lot of that contaminant then it says. Yeah, but like. it's only one contaminant. Uh, not a bunch, just one. So <laughs> I love how the EPA has come out now for several for several uh months now and been like, hey guys, we've got serious problems with our water, and collectively everyone's like, eh. It's like, eh. Like we're all right. So uh just FYI, be aware, you can go to the EPA, you can find the uh, the website there, you can look up your city, you can find out what the chemicals are, and uh, you might want to, if you can, invest in some uh, filters. Just Flint, Michigan everywhere, folks. Good yeah. God. Now, let's end on a positive note. Do you love nudity? I, yes. Do you love Star Wars? Yes. Well, now through uh, December, let's see, uh, December 9th, this is going to be at the Alberta uh, Street Theater there. Oh, okay. The Alberta uh, Abbey Street Theater. That's a that's a good place to watch a show. Yep, yep, yep. There is a burlesque show going on called The Empire Strips Back. It launched early this year to rave reviews. It's a touring company around the world. Mainly okay, so this isn't a Portland thing. This is a, okay. No, this is a traveling show. Okay. And believe it or not, it does have really good rave reviews. Like This isn't just like some joke. This is a no, real show. This and, is okay, a real okay. show. All and right. it, they, they want you to know that this is a burlesque show. This is not a mm. strip show. It, there is a difference. They, they do say that it leaves slightly more to the imagination. You can still see some side boob, though. You, uh, I think you can see some more than that, but they Probably. are saying that it will leave something to the imagination. Not much, but something. So it does involve scantily clad stormtroopers, a okay. breakdancing Chewbacca. Really? It's at times sexy and silly and involves apparently a very uh, interesting scene between Han Solo and Greedo and R2-D2 uh, showering a gyrating Leia with dollar bills. <laughs> All right. I mean, my I, I'm not sure I want to see Han Solo get it on with an alien, but uh, other than that, I'm down. I'm there. I love nudity. So if you're looking for something to do over uh, the holiday season and you want something uh, a little more interesting... I give you the Empire Strips Back, and uh, it is Wednesdays through Sundays, and tickets are $79 to $89. And um, the, cheaper, the cheaper seats are already sold out. Um, I guess this is, like, kind of a, a big deal, and they say it's, like, first come, first serve, general admission, and so you want to arrive there early. Boobs and Star Wars together. Yeah, yeah, that's a good combo. Well, look, you get Slave Leia gyrating around there, and, and who doesn't... Dollar bills. Who doesn't want to see R2-D2 showering, showering down over a Slave Leia? <laughs> Because what better way to celebrate uh, the holidays than the Empire Strips Back? God bless Portland. God bless Star Hey, Wars. look, C-3PO has a big robot. Oh, never mind. All right. When we come back, the Hot 5 at 5, and then Joey Harrington will join us at 5.30. Primetime here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.